Welcome, everybody, to the premiere episode of Pop Culture Fanatics, a podcast where we deep dive into the world of pop culture from a nerd's point of view. I'm your host, Val Cisco, and today with me from Anxiety Live, my boy Jacob. How you doing, bro? Hey, how's it going? It's going fantastic, man. We're in the year 2020, bro. A decade has really passed since 2010. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's It's still a little hard to take in, I guess. Um, I guess I was too young to understand like Y2K, but 2020, is, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like I hear it and I see jokes about it and I'm like, huh, you know, I was around for that, but I guess I was just too young to really understand like what the hell it is. But, you know, 2020, yep. um, it, 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 as an adult and, you know, with the very different, <laughs> uh, state of mind, it, it's, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a thing actually. No, yo, you make great points. I mean, I remember enough when Y2K happened. Hell, I was one of those kids that hid under a desk thinking, like, the world's going to end at uh, 2000, year 2000. <laughs> that shit would have caught and me then, completely off guard. I would have been like, oh? No, <laughs> no, it, it fucked me up pretty bad. And I'll tell you this much, you know, it kind of comes full circle because year 2020 happens. And the first thing you hear in the first two weeks is, like, World War Three earthquakes, and shit's just going to hell out of nowhere. So I'm like, ah, you know. Every turn of the decade, some shit happens. Apparently, this year it was all that. <laughs> We're not even this year. This is this month so far. <laughs> oh, shit. I know. And it. Anyway, guys, uh, we brought you guys here today to listen to us because we're going to be talking about video games from the 90s going into the early 2000s. Something that's very near and dear to you, Jake. I know that. Oh, shit. Yeah. When when I got the invite for this, I was like, clear my schedule, Karen, right now. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it's very near and dear to me because of the fact that, I don't know, there's something about just reminiscing back in the day. You're in your small room, you have your, your PlayStation or your Nintendo 64, or God forbid you have a Dreamcast, and you're just <laughs> putting a, a cartridge or a CD Get ready for in hate there. for that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You're firing that bad boy up, and you're just deep diving into a game either by yourself or you're with your best friend. Got your and dominoes like, up the way. Definitely, and I feel like <laughs> now... With, with, with that, the demo game that, that used to be included with the Pizza Hut, remember that? Listen, that was great. I remember playing Dino Crisis with the demo. I kept on playing that goddamn game. And I remember buying the goddamn game I know it was whack as hell. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um, I feel like when it comes to culture these days, especially with pop culture, I feel like the gaming community has drastically changed into something that's not as intimate as it was before. And when I say that, I, I definitely know that there's very intimate games out there. When you look at a Skyrim or... When you look at the Shadow of Mordor or God of War, they could be very intimate games where you play by yourself. But I just feel that that need to beat a game, that need to really hunker down, get some Doritos and pull an old nighter to be fascinated in the world you're in is not there anymore. Do, do you feel the same way in some aspects? In a lot, absolutely. Um, and it's probably something that you've seen me post a lot too. I mean, um, in I guess I guess I used to just like kind of laud at the fact that you know when I would see you know posts like you know reminiscing you know drawings cartoons about you know being sitting in front of your fucking tube television 
Uh, it's like four times about the size of a fucking SUV, you know, <laughs> in your um, in your living room, and you're just there, you know, with your buddies, got your pizza, got your fucking Mountain Dew, or you know, uh, fucking uh, what was that other uh, green shit called? I don't, I don't remember. Surge, surge, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're just there, you know, hammering out um, whether you're taking turns on a one-player game or you know, multiplayer. Um, for a while and then you know one by one like each of you just starts knocking out while the other ones are like no 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 we got this you know <laughs> um but it's it's something that i post a, because it's it's like i want to do that again you know what i mean like i guess you didn't really have a care in the world back then and that was really all that mattered and more um but with 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 this day and age it's it's something that i absolutely absolutely truly miss and it is something that i want to bring back it's something that i'm trying to be bring back and you know i know we all have our different tastes now we have our different um i don't want to say burdens but you know we got we got our own responsibilities but i still feel like just a simple game night can just really do a lot for you like all over again i don't know I hope, yeah no i definitely agree when you say that and uh what what kind of brought this to my attention honestly was you know i look in here we're at 2020 now and i look at the upcoming games that are coming out for all the consoles and something really just struck a nerve a tad bit i already now, know what this wow. is i, I like no. we, we haven't even discussed this topic but i guarantee you i know exactly what you're about to come to but go ahead well i say this because you know we're in an age where we have different consoles and we can do so much more what we what we have at at, at our fingertips when it comes to these consoles yet um, just like the movie industry, we revert back to the past and we make either remakes or reimaginings of games. And with the upcoming games like Resident Evil 3, the remake coming out, and of course uh, Final Fantasy 7, I just feel that as much as we're excited for these games and it does bring us some nostalgia plus um, a hunkering back to the, to the glory days, do I feel, am I wrong to feel that I don't know. What are we doing exactly? Why are we reverting back to those days right there? What's missing that we need to remake these games to get that old feeling again? So I have a lot to say on that, actually. <laughs> Go for it. So um, uh, let me let me let me try and stay like on topic with this. But so firstly, I don't necessarily think that you're wrong, but at the same time, I do disagree. Um, okay. And only because I want to say that I don't think it's reverting back, but like, let's start with Final Fantasy VII Remake as a perfect example. Um, okay. The other day I was watching, um, uh, and I try not to do this, uh, games I do a little bit differently than I do with movies. Like with, with, with movies, I refuse to watch like trailers as much as possible because by the end of like the third trailer, because usually they show more than one, you know, um, you've exactly. pretty much seen already the whole goddamn movie um with video games like i i, I guess i i want to see more because i want to see like well shit what does the gameplay look like what did they change what is this you know what does this character look like now you know and so i've been watching a lot of the gameplay uh trailers released for final fantasy 7 and one of the i was actually watching reaction videos i can't believe i've you know uh, resulted in 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 watching reaction videos but uh for some reason i'm obsessing with them um and this one guy that was watching it as he was watching his you know watching his reaction to the original um trailer for the final fantasy 7 remake um he said something that totally like made me realize like holy shit he's right and it's 
like in his I'm trying to remember his exact words, but he was like watching this now with these graphics and and you know the beauty that this game has come to, I'm basically seeing what I pictured in my head when I was playing this game in 1999. And he's completely okay. Right. Like okay. You know, um, for for back then in like 99 when Final Fantasy VII Remake, I mean, Final Fantasy, you know, the original game was made, it had some of the best graphics for the PlayStation. And that was like one of their sole games that they used to advertise the launch of the PlayStation because like, oh, look at these, look at these back graphics, you know, look at this game, look at this story. And it was amazing. But when you played it, of course, like this game, it taking you to a whole other place, like literally an entirely different world. And so you got so captivated by it, so lost in it, you surrounded yourself in it. So while you're playing, you're imagining these things, you're imagining these people, these places. But now with the advanced technology that we have, we're able to see what we were picturing all along when we had played it and continue to play it up until this game because it was just that, that damn good of a game. And um, to my knowledge, and I, I could have been reading this wrong or getting it mixed up, but I swear, I believe the, like the original makers or the original director had always said that doing this project now, he's making the game that he had always wanted to. It's just, you know, you were only able to do so much. And even at that time, they knew, like, this technology and, and you know, this said, this is going to advance in the future. And so okay. now that it has, he can make the game that he always wanted to. Yeah, but that's like narcissism in a way, honestly, right there. That's a little bit too full of yourself on that saying that this is the game that you essentially want to make all along when you have a cult classic, not even a cult classic, a classic like Final Fantasy VII. And I will say this, as much as I respect your opinion that you're looking at these games for the oohs and the odds when they add in, I also have to call just a little bit of bull on that because from your lens as well too, I do feel like you're looking for the cracks. You're looking for a reason to say this is going to fail as well too. And I feel that most of the time when it comes Absolutely. to games like this, like a Final Fantasy VII, like a Crash Bandicoot, like a Tony Hawk, like a Doom, <laughs> you're looking for the faults as much as possible to say, you know what? Fuck that. They should have never done that. You're messing with my childhood. You're messing with my memories right there. And I just feel, just in my opinion, that if we have the technology to, to essentially make anything we want, our own sandbox... I just feel like we should do. We should definitely leave the past at bay, but build upon things. If you were going to make a Final Fantasy VII game, why not continue the story instead of they just rehashing the same thing? As in children? Yeah. Well, that's not a game. I'm talking about an actual game. No, no. I mean, it wasn't a game, but it, it did continue the story. Technically, they. You said, "Why don't they continue the story?" Technically, they did. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, let me rephrase that. As a game. Why don't they continue? The they story? did. It was and... Cerberus, and it was starring Vincent Valentine. Listen, that's not even considered. We can keep this up all day, game. bro. I'm, I I got a <laughs> that response for not a proper Final Fantasy game. That is a shooter. Okay. That was a beautiful game. It, it was a <laughs> little different. I will give you that. <laughs> the aiming was horrible in that game. <laughs> oh, the game, yeah. The aiming was just like yeah. The aiming was. Uh, I will give you that. But I will agree. But, I, I, I would definitely agree to disagree with you on that side. Um, and honestly, the main point of it wasn't really to even talk about the remakes of today. It's really to celebrate the games of yesterday, honestly. 
And I really wanted to bring you on this podcast because I want to deep dive into your history of gaming and see what made you tick back then. What was your poison that you picked on a nightly basis? Was it a PlayStation? Was it a Nintendo 64? Did you have enough time with a Game Boy or whatnot to really deep dive into certain games like that and handheld systems? What was your pick of the poison? Um, so I want to say... The first time I was introduced to games, I was watching my oldest brother play uh, his PlayStation. And I want to th- I want to say the first game I ever saw him play was uh, Silent Hill. Uh, so that was the first thing that like really intrigued me into gaming when I was finally able myself because he was kind of a dick is like, don't touch my PlayStation, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, just like that. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was finally able to get my hands on the game, I think I believe the very first game I ever played was for the Nintendo 64. And that was Ocarina of Time. Um, and that's what like that's that's when I first realized, like, this is what I like. I like story games. I like adventure. I want to take my time. I want to be able to venture off on my own. And then um then I got introduced to Final Fantasy VII, and boy, let me tell you, the adventure that I went on just to be able to play that game was ridiculous. Like, first of all, this dude, after he went into the military, like, hid all his shit, didn't hide it good enough because I eventually found it, and um, I found that damn game because he hit that game. Like, he took more care hiding that game than he did his PlayStation. But boy, did I find a fucking game. And you know, I played it nonstop. So, like, ultimately, like, my go-to game was the PlayStation, and it was uh, Final Fantasy VII. I just got hooked. It was uh, I used to take the strategy guide with me to school and just sit and read it and just marvel at the pictures, marvel at the drawings and the characters and, you know, just, like, it, it was just it was just such a, an incredible thing for me. So... That was like my ultimate go-to. When I would go to my friends and we would actually hang out, we would play 64 a lot. We were playing um, Pokemon Stadium. Uh, we were play, playing Pokemon Snap. Um, and of course, 007, which I'm actually glad I'm actually seeing that come up in a bunch of posts because I thought that was like the only uh, game that, I mean, I thought I was the only one that ever played that fucking game because I was like, whoever played 007? A lot of fucking people did. And also, um, the uh, pod racing game that came out for 64. That was amazing. Was that 64 or PlayStation? I don't remember. That was 64. That was, that was, that was a fantastic game. I'm like, right now I'm thinking like, why haven't they ever done that again? Because like pod racing was possibly the greatest thing that ever came out of uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, as much as I want to agree with you, everybody else is going to probably dog us on that one because they say that that's the worst part of that movie. I absolutely agree with you. I thought that the Star Wars pod racing game was fantastic. Yeah, it was so fucking fun. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I ever played anyone besides Anakin, but... Um, oh, God. no. Sabonaba always wins. <laughs> what are you talking about? Sabonaba always wins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was just, it was, it was uh, my go-to when I played on my own time was always PlayStation because PlayStation, I had Silent Hill, I had the original Resident Evil, and I had Final Fantasy VII, and those are the only games I would ever play. Every now and then I would play like Ventron on like a different game or go rent something from Blockbuster. Remember those? Okay. Hey. So I have a question for you, and maybe this would help a younger audience member listen to this and say maybe I could figure this out on my own because when I look at culture today especially in the video game culture everything's about microtransactions and what you need to put into the game to get out of it uh, 
especially with EA or or mm. especially with the the indie games that have come out for the Xbox or PlayStation like Fortnite or Apex Theory, everything really is about the microtransaction rather than mm. the game itself. Skins, guns, colors, things of that nature, all that stuff. Even mm. taunts. What the fuck? Like two dollars for a taunt. No. So I need <laughs> I need you to go back down to memory lane to a little little baby Jake. And this, describe that feeling that it was to first play Final Fantasy VII, and what was it that captivated you? And I, I know you could probably tell me about the graphics, how they were revolutionary. I know you could probably tell me about the fighting system and how mm. it was different. But what was the actual feeling that you got out of that game that said, you know what, this is what I need to do for about seven hours of my life? It was that story, man. It, it was that story. It was that incredible story. It was the characters. That is an easy question for me. Like, I... I can't even begin to describe like how much that game influenced me to this day. And it's all because of that story and all because of those characters. When I played, like it it was literally a journey for me because, you know, it was um, uh, for those of you uh, more modern gamers, um, turn-based style was, was literally the thing back then. A lot of games were turn-based style. So it's like a game of chess. You move, I move, you move, I move, you know, it's like that, shit like that. And and personally, I still love uh, turn-based style, but a lot of modern day gamers will say it's like, it's, it's an aged uh, kind of uh, uh, gaming tactic. You know, it, it, it didn't, it doesn't hold up well. It's, it's always going to be on a, on a personal basis, I guess. Um, now you like literally just freely move around and, and attack and move and jump, you know, no, not this, this like you, you, it was like watching a war and a revolution, you know, like back in a revolution, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to march towards you and you, I'm going to shoot and you're just going to stand there and take it. And if I, if it, if I don't shoot you, then, you know, you're good. Then you can shoot at me. <laughs> Basically that's all that that was. Um, but okay. yeah, it was, it was watching them do their different moves and, and, you know, doing the different summons or, you know, get to summon, uh, 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 Shiva or fucking Knights of the Round Table or like other cool shit and just watching the animations you know as you're making the summon it was all of that and and when I when I tell you like that inspired me so much when I wasn't playing uh, on the PlayStation I was outside pretending like I was one of the you know characters I was Cloud or I was Sephiroth and you know I was outside with my stick pretending like I'm in a turn-based style game you know um, one of my uh, favorite one of my greatest ideas I ever came up with, with a story was heavily inspired by Final Fantasy VII. So that literally took me into an entirely different place. Did I lose you? God damn it! Yo, Adrian. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. 
There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh, Whatever is out there, download it. It's freaking phenomenal. You guys won't regret it. Take care. Ciao. So yeah, the this the story and the the story and the characters just really did so much for me, and um, I give I credit that game for really um, uh, 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 what's the word I want to use it it like unlocked my creativity and my imagination and it it just like did so much for me when I wasn't playing the PlayStation uh, when I wasn't playing that game I was outside with my sticks and I had a stick for to represent every weapon and I was a different character and I was doing my own turn-based style shit, you know, live action. Um, so that's how, that's how much this game inspired me. Cause when I wasn't playing it on the actual system, I was playing it in my head outside with my friends. It was just that damn good of a game. And again, it wasn't just because of the graphics or, you know, um, it was just a damn good story with amazing characters. Like some of the most original badass characters ever created in video game. You know, and I love hearing that because you speak so passionately for that game and I wish I had that that similar experience early on. Definitely did when I got into my teens. But as a kid, um, you know, living in the Bronx, New York, I didn't really have a system for myself to really play with. I had friends that either had a 64 or really had a PlayStation or a Sega Genesis or whatnot, Super Nintendo. So I remember a lot of fond memories of doing certain multiplayer games in a way. Like um, they were playing Mario Kart for the uh, Super Nintendo I remember playing Mortal Kombat uh, when it first came out as well, too, and being, like, awestruck by the blood and the mayhem that was in there. Street Fighter 2 was another game as well, too. But these weren't, like, personal games for me. These are just personal memories I had with my friends, which is mm. great and all. Like, I remember playing 007, having such a great time mm. playing Odd Job, being a little midget, no one could shoot me, or Lockjaw. Oh, my God. So, like, <laughs> those those memories right there will always stay with you. But as far as like a personal game, I could really look at two games that really define my my childhood as games that I beat on my own and felt very proud of. I gotta say that Pokemon Blue was my game. Eight. You know, right on my Game Boy. And I absolutely fell in love with the world. I think it's because of the fact of what Pokemon sells you as a young adolescent, even younger than that, <laughs> like a child, essentially, on your own, saying bye to your parents and running amok around all these towns, um, capturing monsters and making them fight. What more can a kid really want at that moment in time? And then seeing the progression and seeing how you could take care of these monsters and seeing how you can involve them or different strategies you could implement on different characters as well, too, um, really opened my eye to the gaming community. And even so, that had multiplayer aspects to it, too. I got to go to different friends' house or go to school and have the little Game Boy connectors to trade Pokemon <laughs> and whatnot. That really is very near and dear to my heart. And then the second game 
that I beat for the first time in my life by myself on a console was Siphon Filter. I actually hey. fucking love Siphon Filter when it came to the to just uh, the almost like an open world aspect in that game before open world was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the taste you know very much um like an arnold schwarzenegger movie just <laughs> condensed into uh a a i want to say a john cusack lookalike in that game but <laughs> i fell in love with that world and it just took me by surprise at how fast i beat that game and how much more i want to dive into that series oh man did did siphon filter that just really <laughs> brought up a whole lot of memories for me like oh shit <laughs> um going back to the game boy connectors would you say that that was like the start of like online networking for video games. I mean, I can't say that because if we really want to go to online networking, we're going to go to PC gaming. Yeah, but and... nobody does PC gaming. I'm sorry, but like, yes, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> hey, but you're going to upset a lot of people right now. <laughs> they're just fucking basement trolls that are just going to like troll me on fucking social media. They're, they probably, ha- most of them probably haven't been outside in like, you know, two centuries. So it's fine. Just heat them up a hot Let's... bucket and they'll be okay. <laughs> I honestly I I can't really speak about the online community that much because I never really played that many online games. Like I remember playing Doom at a time where Duke Nukem when it was online but, as well too. But that's very basic. Bitch but that's right but there. that but that's what that was for though. That was expected with PC gaming. But like I don't think anyone expected a game console or God forbid you know a, a fucking handheld to be able to connect players. And then Nintendo's like hold my beer. So. In your case, right there, you say that's like um, more so multiplayer online aspect, right there. What do you feel about just the couch co-op community? I mean, games like, like you said, Double Seven, right there. When you're talking about Mario Kart, when you're talking about Mortal Kombat, just a couple of dudes or a couple of gals inside the house, just having some sodas and seeing who's the better person in that in that room. I feel that right there was more special. Than anybody out there right now playing, I don't know, uh, Call of Duty right now or fucking Apex Legends or fucking, oh, I don't know. Absolutely. Because you had like, it's a different, it's a very, very, very different bond. I mean, it's a, it, I will say it's a double-edged sword um, because it's gotten us to connect in, in ways that we could never imagined, you know. Um, but I mean, it, it, you know, if, if you want to take it even further back, I mean, it was kind of like playing in the arcade you know, like Mortal Kombat in the arcade before, you know, it was on to our station where, you know, you're there and, you know, you're either there as the guy that like, you know, waiting for your challenger, you know, you're just waiting to, you know, just to have fun and see, you know, if anyone can beat you and show how you can beat them, you know, that was still special on its own. You know what I mean? And then you'd have a whole group of people that would start gathering around the the, the arcade and just start watching both of y'all. You know, that was, that was a very, that was something that I personally never experienced. Um, but I have, you know, heard stories and I've seen it done because it was. And, and I know people who grew up around that. I mean, that's still a very special moment for them. Um, but, and it just it just evolved into, you know, um, the couch gaming. And again, that is that is a whole different special because I mean, that, that was you and your closest friends, you know, enjoying enjoying a, a, a bond that you didn't think about it at the time. But that is something that you'll probably you probably that, the last time you did it. You, I guarantee you, did not think that this is the last time we're going to be doing this. You know, um, let's let's talk talk about 
our favorite co-op games from that era as well too and i kind of want to leave like the main ones out of, out of the loop like we're going to talk about 007 but i feel like that's everybody's go-to when it comes to that um also mario kart and things of that nature as well too i kind of want to deep dive a little bit more because i remember a game that came out in 1998 that i used to love dearly and it was a skateboard game and it wasn't tony hawk pro skater even though i loved that game so much it was a little indie game called grind session and grind session was a game for me that, that it it took me to a different place when it came to me and my friends me and my friends were already uh, part of that skate culture to begin with but the fact that we had just a blend of hip-hop meets rock meets just insane moves that were totally mm-hmm. different from what um tony hawk pro skater gave you plus unlockable characters that you mm-hmm. wouldn't believe you could have in your life like a giant fucking iguana you know it, it's just <laughs> a, a fun game that was very condensed that no one thought that it would make it any further than what it did but honestly it's still a cult classic today i love grind session was there a multiplayer game that you can really go to couple um, the first one I want to throw out there was uh, Twisted Metal. Um, yes. I know I know Twisted Metal has tried to be rebirthed, and I don't think it will ever, ever really will. Um, but Twisted Metal was like, I mean, it, it was it was like if 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 like the darkest, you know, the darkest souls in the universe got together and said, "What if we took Mario Kart and made it gorier, <laughs> bloodier?" <laughs> <laughs> more bad <laughs> twisted metal <laughs> you know because it wasn't necessary i mean did you ever i think there was i don't think you ever really, you know it was kind of like kind of a race in a way but it was just like just shooting the hell out of each other you know what i mean and, pretty much um, yeah yeah and it, it was just cool because uh, they really um the the characters are what really sold that game uh because everyone had their own story you know everyone had their own special abilities and their special moves and of course like the most famous one's always going to be sweet tooth um but there was a lot of lot of great characters and i think that was also one of the ones that would also come out in like the pizza hut uh demo uh things (laughs) it was was just a really cool fun game and it's it's sad that um i think the only game that the only game of that that will ever hold up will be like the original couple ones that came out um as they tried to remake that game, it just became like horrible. Not that long ago, I tried playing like the most most recent one that released, and like was probably like what like two years ago or so. You were robots, like literally, you can transform into a fucking like transformer, a robot. Like I was sweet tooth, <laughs> some special thing, and next thing you know, I'm like running, and he's like shooting shit out of his arm, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Sometimes no. simple is better. Um, exactly the other one that i want to go into um was the one that me and my friends really had a blast in and i don't know if you would count this but um the original wwf games i mean they were just like of course playing any wrestling game was like the best and had uh, had so many good times playing those damn games no yeah wwf uh in your house uh that was the very much the arcade version where you had Undertaker literally take a tombstone and hit you in the head with it and yes. shit like that. It was a classic wrestling game. Definitely. Um, before, before we get into more of our adolescent teenage years, I kind of want to give some shout out to certain games that I remember from my childhood that I really did love. I'm going to give a shout out to the Disney games that came out for Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Things like Aladdin, Lion King. Um, those games were pretty revolutionary for the time even though people like to say that those were like kiddish games things like ducktales um aladdin lion king mm-hmm. they were pretty fun ass games Aladdin's i don't know hard. about you man but i 
It was, right? That was a hard fucking game. Those Disney games, actually, all of them were, like, unnecessarily hard. <laughs> I mean, they, they, and, you know, a lot of these games, too, were just, like, three life, four life games. You need to start right in the first level again. It wasn't no save points or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was start at the bottom and keep on going. Um, another shout-out that I want to give, and I, I know this name is a little tainted probably now, but I got to say... Because one of my first consoles when I grew up as a kid, um, when I finally got one, was a Sega Genesis. And I honestly did fall in love with Sonic the Hedgehog. I think that that was a game that I, I didn't necessarily beat all the time or really invested like hours into it. But I remember just simply having fun for maybe an hour or two, rolling up Sonic and doing a couple of levels and having some fun. Um, I have fun memories with that before it really got chaotic and crazy. What about you? Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit older. Um, for I'm trying to remember, um, so for uh, before I before I got, I totally remember, totally forgot about this, and I'm, I feel bad. But before I got my hands on the PlayStation, um, we did have a Super Nintendo, and uh, some of my favorite games that I remember playing on that was uh, the uh, Power Rangers game that was on there. Oh was- yes. That was a really fun fucking game. I don't think I ever got past the second level. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that game was like insanely hard. And I think that was like one of the first and only games to ever make me cry because I could not get past it. And I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that one, that one was like one of my favorites because especially back then, like I was like Power Rangers was a shit. Um and then the Simpsons game that they had for uh, Super Nintendo, um, it was just like a whole bunch of like different random games that you can play. And I remember one of them was you, you were Bart and you had to um, throw like tomatoes at all the kids as they're just like running around uh, in front of the school. And you got to like try and get like all of them as many as you could. I also failed like horribly at that game. Um, and then you had the... Uh, um, the uh what was that thing called the i think the the dominoes picked it up it was like the two bunny weird little things do you remember those mm, it toe had jam like and little Earl? huh <laughs> toe jam and Earl? no 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 <laughs> no probably not what you're talking about <laughs> no it, it was like these weird bunny looking dudes that had like um that had that had like big floppy ears and like really high high pitched voices and i think dominoes picked them up as like as you know like little characters you know with their pizzas uh then the the nerd then oh man i can't remember but it was yeah these two little weird things um <laughs> that was a game i used to play a lot um and uh, uh earthworm jim earthworm jim was probably like one of my first favorite um video game characters ever cuz i just thought he looked so super cool now, a lot of that time, we got to see a lot of crossplay with TV shows and games. So things like Earthworm Jim, the use in Budhead, Comic Zone, and things of that nature were really prevalent at that time, especially with Mario and Sonic all having that synergy between having movies or TV shows and, com- and comic books and, of course, video games. It all just felt right as a kid. But going German into your teenage... Listen, that-, that game, I only got to level three, and that was a- that's all I needed. Okay, that's all I literally needed. Oh, oh, wait, I want to give out one more shout out. Bro, can't believe I totally forgot about this game. Zombie Ate My Neighbors, one of my favorite ah. fucking games from way back in the day. I It took me forever to figure out even how to play that game because I couldn't understand it. 
And I think you were like a kid with a water gun or something. Um, and yeah, that used to be one of my favorite fucking games to play too. I, I still, I don't think I was ever really good at that game. Like I thought I was. So I think that that's a good segue right there for games that I wasn't sure how to play at first, or just maybe I just didn't want to invest my time to learn how to play and going into my adolescence and into my teenhood there. Um, there were certain games that I fell in love with uh, final fantasy seven was a game that I dipped into. And as much as I know you love it a lot, I, I have my own reserved feelings about it. I fell in love with Final Fantasy VIII. I'm a love sap. That's how I am. I love that story just a little bit more for me. But I will say a game that... Stop it. I know a game that really just like smacked me in the back of the head as an adolescent. And I might get a little heat for this. This is just me, though. But I think... Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger, even though those, game, those games came out a little earlier in the time, the 90s, mm-hmm. I fell in love with Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger so much. The story, the, the, um, the same artists um, that did Dragon Ball Z did the same um, art for Chrono Cross, sorry, Chrono Trigger mm-hmm. right there. Um, I thought the game mechanics were fantastic. Um, the story was great. The characters were fluid, and it just made me into a different person and appreciate gaming. Um, one game that I refused to learn and has had a hard time, and this is where you could probably take it in right there, was Resident Evil. Resident Evil was the hardest game for me to even try to play. And my teenage <laughs> mind was so, like, spoiled with shit like Vector Man and shit like Beavis and Butthead and stuff like that, that using tank controls was just pissing me off. I was just getting into turnstile. And then you introduced tank controls. <laughs> and I was like, I'm in a circle and I can't do nothing. And I only have one bullet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I can attest, guys, like if you're ever talking tank controls, like he, this guy will just continuously bash tank controls. <laughs> <laughs> I will defend tank controls to my death. Um, uh, no, but, you know, I don't think it was just the tank controls, though, because one thing that um, made – Resident Evil, a very successful horror game, was its uh, fixed camera angles. So if you were bad at tank controls from the beginning and then you throw in those fixed at camera angles where like it changed as you walk, like you're just like you were not going to be successful in that shit. Like, believe me, that still gets me like if I don't play a Resident Evil game, uh, you know, the original ones like for a while and I go back like. It, it takes me a little bit just to still go back. But um, I think I honestly think what it was, though, is just it was it was the horror aspect that really because, yes, Final Fantasy was was literally the fantasy that I wanted. But um, I, I realized that I started falling more in love with a horror aspect of gaming. And that's when Silent Hill Resident Evil really took over my heart. And it, like from there, I just got more and more and more. But um, yeah, no, like Resident Evil was notoriously difficult to play. And I think that's why now a lot of the controls have changed simply because I don't think it's like an outdated. I, I will say this and people can, you know, torch me for it, but I don't think it's an outdated style of playing. Tank controls are not. No. Um, it's like PC gaming when you're just sitting there using fucking, oh, I'm using the W key and I'm using the S key. Like, no, it's the same <laughs> shit. Same exact shit. Um, but I will say though, like uh, I tried my best to get into tank controls and that's why I think I love Resident Evil 3 the most when it comes to that series because that was actually a game that I got to master some of my controls and have fun with it. 
and I just maybe I had but bad they, experiences. But they also added, they they they, they made they made um, changes to the tank controls. Like they made it easier. Oh, definitely. Like, you can dodge. You can. Do- I think that was the first Resident Evil that introduced three sixty turn. Well, you had to because fucking Nemesis would come out the wall, stars, and fucking try to kill you every fucking second. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but back to ahead. Resident Evil Two because I know you love that game a lot. What was it about that game besides the horror, the horror element, or even the control element that you loved the most? Was it dueling characters and their stories in the game as well too? Um, actually, so no, it's it's very it's the exact same reason why I love Final Fantasy VII. The story, the story was just fucking phenomenal. See, my favorite my favorite thing about the original Resident Evil was just like any kid's fantasy was, you're just obsessed with, or at least at least I was, <laughs> you were obsessed with abandoned shit. I love hearing stories of abandoned houses, you know, people, you know, um, abandoned this, abandoned hospital, because there was an abandoned hospital, like, not too far from us and abandoned the insane asylum you know that shit was just like it it just intrigues you and you want to you want to see more you want to do more um so playing a video game when you're in an abandoned mansion full of zombies i mean that that just sounds like fun like sign me up i get to be the white person that lives today you know <laughs> <laughs> but resident evil 2 it's like okay so it moved from being contained into a mansion to a single house in an underground lab with, you know, this um, story of deception to now this whole in- entire city's infected. So it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? And um, even at that time, I remember loving Resident Evil more than a zombie flick at that time, which what do we have going on? Um, the original Dawn of the Dead, right? Uh, a mm-hmm. couple of George, uh, George uh, Romero movies is that zombie movies end, you know? And and, right. and in two hours, so you don't really get to see a lot of the story. These games change that. You're you're lost into it. So you have this fantastic story of of be beyond deception. So now you have like inner workings between a company and 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 uh, a, a guy that's like so involved with his work that he refused to lose that work. So he. Um, causes this whole infection of a city. And then you have these two people who, um, by the grace of the universe, end up meeting in the city at the same time. And now you have to be these characters and you have to help them survive in, 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 a, in a police station that's like filled with booby traps and zombies and creatures. So they took what they did with the creatures in Resident Evil and it's like, all right, what else can we do? And then they gave us uh, monsters like the liquors and the Mr. X character that chases you, you know, stuff like that. And then you, the notorious William Birkin, who is still probably one of my favorite villains in a Resident Evil game. So uh, Resident Evil 2 basically took everything that Resident Evil did right and did it better. Um, and that's the original and the remake is just is a beautiful story, beautiful concept. And I think that really just had everything going. Big shout out to a game that I loved. Um, we're going to go back to Resident Evil, but a big shout out to a game that I loved. I know you had the zombie aspects of games such as like um, uh, Resident Evil. I and I got to um, give a shout out to my boy Jay Rance out there who got me into this game. Parasite Eve was one of my favorite games. <sighs> Um, as much as you like the, the zombie aspect, I like the psychological horror aspect of that game right there. Mm. And if you ever played Parasite Eve, you know that that's a mind fucking a half. Going Good luck finding it. If you find <laughs> it, let me know. That, 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 that is not a cheap game. I guarantee you, if you find it, you're going to pay at least 50, 60 bucks for a PlayStation 1 game. 
Like it's it's not cheap. I really say this is like the golden age of gaming in a way. Gold Mario and shit like that. But I guess for our generation, this hotbed right here, seven all the way to maybe two thousand and one. I want to say that that's such a golden age of gaming because you had mm-hmm. games like Silent Hill, Resident Evil, Parasite Eve. Um, you had. Uh, different games as well too, like Alone in the Dark as well too. As we looking at a little earlier, um, you had uh, <laughs> sports games that were coming out frequently as well too. The, the wrestling series, or the SmackDown series that came out before. Um, yeah. think Madden, was- um, Madden, Madden was getting even better. NBA Jam was hitting its strides. You know, all these games. It's like melting pot. Even Mortal Kombat Tekken Three was a masterpiece as well, too. Out of all the Tekken games, Tekken 3 was the masterpiece of all fighting games at that time. Mm-hmm. So, I, I feel you know, like... It... Oh, I was, I was just going to say, like, kind of just chiming into that, too. And um, this is something that I, I just learned, you know, recently. And, and it's something that we didn't really think about at that time. But um, the competition was just so strong at that yeah. point. That's why all these games were fucking great. Because, like, Parasite Eve, I had no idea that Parasite Eve was Square, uh, was it Square Enix or was it just uh, uh, Squaresoft? Square. It was a Square, yeah. That was their, um, that was their, um, uh, not solution, um, but but um, their response to Silent Hill and Resident Evil. They were like, wow, this this horror gaming's like really, you know, really hidden off. Now we got to do something. And so they came up with that psychological because they wanted to move away from zombies. They wanted to do something different, just like you said, because they know that there's a whole nother audience for this. And they came out with Parasite Eve, which was, you know, that psychological you know, warfare. But the controls themselves and the gameplay was very, very, very difficult. And as a kid, like me trying to figure that out, I remember like being so fucking lost half the time. <laughs> but it was such a good, scary game, beautiful game, though um but again we didn't think about it as kids but like it, the reasons why all these games were so good because the competition was just on fire everybody was coming out with a great game and everyone you know konami uh capcom square like all these all these great companies were coming up with amazing games so they had to come up with an amazing game to compete with that and it was just just hot and heavy all around we didn't think about it at that time because of course we didn't know what the fuck competition and you know <laughs> all that shit was um, but yeah, that, I think that's that's a huge credit to why it was such a great time for gaming. So we look at all, like I said, this hotbed of gaming from like '97 going to like maybe 2000, 2001. Why don't you tell me what was the turning point in the generation for you when it came to that next level of gaming? Like I said, we had all these different games that came out. I can definitely say, in my opinion, the game that really took it to the next level. And this said, F it, no holds bar. We're going to try something really different and revolutionize the gaming industry was Resident Evil 4. I, w- I, would, I would have to agree. Um, I, wouldn't, I don't think that would be my choice. Okay. Um, but but um, no, you're completely right. Because Resident Evil 4 took a character and took a story and it said, okay, we had to evolve this. Otherwise, we're going to have the same game over and over and over. Because at that time, you had um, Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, which are the same. You know, there's there's different, you know, there were different elements in each one. But, I mean, it was essentially the same style, you know, just right. a different location. Um, and then you had the Resident Evil remake of the original, which kind of reignited the Resident Evil series again. Um, you had Resident Evil Code Veronica. You had Resident Evil Zero. 
So again, it was it, it was better graphics, yes, but it was the same style of gaming, just in a different location. So Resident Evil 4 was like, all right, everybody loves Leon. Leon was a great character. Okay, now let's take him, let's put him in a new place, but let's put a new style of gaming because I think they were smart to realize like the gaming industry was going to change how you play it, how you wanted to play it, how you wanted your character to move. So they were really, 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 really smart doing that. So it was a very dynamic game and that really changed this. And a lot of people will still credit it as a very good, like the last very good um, Resident Evil game before it like completely changed. Well, um, definitely. And if you look at the industry at that time, let's look at 2002, 2003, you know, games like Def Jam Vendetta, The Legacy of Kane, Beautiful Joe. That's a very underrated game right there. Um, mm-hmm. Even going to sports, you know, the Street Series, which, is, which was a very well-received game as well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic for Star Wars for like an MMO-type game right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had even Tony Hawk change with Tony Hawk's Underground, where you could actually walk with your skateboard at that time. You know, Max mm-hmm. Payne, which was, which was another revolutionary game at the time as well, too. All these games took different turns but what was your game that, that you saw that was a, a change in a different direction i'm i'm gonna say the grand theft auto series wow that's a good pick yeah i agree grand grand theft auto 3 because i never I, I think i had finally i don't remember when it was but i had finally gotten my hands on like Grand Theft Auto 1 or 2, and I had no idea that it was like an aerial <laughs> aerial view the entire time. Right. It, it was it was it was like a strange Pac-Man game almost. Um, but it didn't make sense to me. Um, but uh Grand Theft Auto 3 really, I mean, I think it really introduced open world what you can do, you know, picking your own stories. Cause of course, you know, you can, one thing about Grand Theft Auto has always been about, you know, who are you going to please? What person are you going to side with? You know, stuff like that. So it was like multiple choice. It was open world, um, you know, driving, shooting. It was a combination, you know, hand to hand combat. And, and it was a, it was a huge strategy game too, because like some, some levels were not easy to do at all. So it was a combination of a lot of different style of gaming. And I think Grand Theft Auto 3 really nailed it with that because ever since Grand Theft Auto 3, I mean, the Grand Theft Auto series in a whole is like completely evolved. And I think it has always stood out from like everything else that was coming out. Well, it's because uh, I know. And not to cut you off, Grand Theft Auto, you know, Rockstar, they're a smart company. They're they not a company that buys by the, the corporate industry and says we need a game every 10 to 12 months. Mm-hmm. No, they actually take time and mm-hmm. poise and energy to actually make a fantastic game that lasts for at least about 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the, the track records of all the Grand Theft Auto games. Most of them are, I want to say, four to five years apart from each other, uh, mm-hmm. besides like the little miniature games, but they're all fantastic when it comes to 3, mm-hmm. Vice City, 4, um, and all the above right there, 5, you know, there's San so Andreas. Many, San Andreas, like there's so... Um, so much attention to detail which each and every game brings you uh, especially with the character development there's so much character mm-hmm. development especially in five where you're following three characters plus your own meat character you can make online as well too the series has only gotten better and i think it's because they let it that's what mm-hmm. it is they let it marinate and they see what went wrong in the last series and they improve upon it with leaps and bounds oh absolutely and i, and I think that is definitely a company that i will say that they they take fan 
um, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Um, you know, criticism. Um, they they really take it and and really use it to improve because I will I I, I think I can honestly say that um, Grand Theft Auto is one of those series that has only continuously gotten better. Um, and you know, same thing with um, Red Dead. Red Dead Revolver is one of the greatest video games. Like I'm, I'm gonna say it, it's one of the greatest games that's ever come out. It's smart. It's a really good game. And I, they took it, look look how long Red Dead and Red Dead uh, Red Dead Redemption. How far apart are those games? Oh yeah, oh yeah, years, They're, years, it's years. I, it's just again, like you said, they took their time with it and they did everything that you know. I guess what people would have wanted, and they said, okay, let's play now. Let's see how it works. And I think and they just. Wow, they really nailed it. Um, but yeah, and I'm definitely going to say um, Grand Theft Auto is one of those games that really changed it. Um, yeah. See this though, going into, you know, uh, the 2000s, I believe this was a success, but also it hurt the gaming industry as well too. So I do remember there was a time in the gaming industry where it was like a lull. It was like, am I into games still? I'm not too sure. It was maybe a, a two to three year stretch where game industry was not as powerful as it was, but I kind of attribute that to just the experimentation of what they were doing in the early 2000s. When you look at things like the GameCube, the Dreamcast, and things of that nature, so many different consoles that were coming out every other year or every five years. Um, and even with the games, they took risks as well too. Look at games like Kingdom Hearts as a, as a success right there. Blending two different companies together, making a beautiful creation. And I know people do criticize the game for being way too kiddy at times, but I gotta say, all three of those games are pretty damn dark if you ever went and deep dived into them. Um, that's one of my favorite combinations that come out. But for every good game, there's also, you know, um, a horrible game like Dr. Muto or some shit that probably came out, Mario Sunshine. I know people love Mario Sunshine, but I will say that it's not the most <laughs> enjoyable game out there. I forgot about that game. Holy shit. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion? Sure. I'm down for that. Mario Sunshine getting shit wet all day. You know. <laughs> was that was was he was that when he was like on a on a uh, a water jet or like a water um uh, uh yeah like a jet pack or something the water jet pack thing going on yeah oh no no thank you um but what what, what were you saying like you think like... no so basically i feel like that also hurt the gaming industry you know and I feel that it lost a lot of trust with hardcore players that came out of the 90s looking at these strong character-driven, story-driven games. And then we got into a community where it was just more either fan service or lack of creativity with these games or maybe too much creativity with these games where it just became stale. You know where I think the turning point was? Um, obviously, the PlayStation 3. <laughs> okay. PlayStation 3 did absolutely but no what I think the turning point was was um and correct me if I'm wrong but I, I think it's I think it's still more of an opinion thing it's like I think once the Xbox threw itself into the running when it came to gaming I think the whole gaming industry completely shifted away from the games themselves and more into the consoles like right now Literally, all it is is console wars. 
And uh, especially because now like it, and, and, and I, and I, and I think that's another reason why people are trying to push for um, what do you call that? Uh, that kind of uh, the connection between, you know, being able to play uh, with somebody that's on an Xbox while you're on a PlayStation. Um, what do you call that? Um, yeah, I got you saying. But, the servers, but, yeah. but the reason, because again, like there's, there's a lot of, a, a lot of f- f- uh, focus has been shifted from the games themselves onto, okay, what can we do to make the console better? Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. And the argument now is not like, not, oh, Tekken's a better game than Mortal Kombat. Yeah, right. Blah, blah, blah. No, it's more like it's Xbox. No, it's PlayStation. Blah, blah, blah. And then like poor Nintendo's just chilling there in the corner. But also, um, once the console wars started getting bigger, like, and American companies started making more games, I think that also like kind of dipped uh took a turning point in the gaming industry because like japanese games are far out i want to say for the most part have always been more successful i i I think they have always been better than american games like american companies are the ones that got hold of silent hill and like what happened to it the fucking the 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 series taint like completely well and then like go ahead i'll say this i agree with you but then i also disagree in a certain way like the console wars are what gave us as gamers um that 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 water cooler talk or going to school and saying well, well you know i have Sonic the hedgehog on sega genesis oh i have you know super mario world on uh super nintendo that i can only have that on that system you know brand uh, exclusive games were very important to the gaming industry back then before you can only play exclusive Final games, but yeah, nobody but... talks about the exclusive games anymore well everybody yeah, talks about what the console can do yeah, I was getting to that right there. You know, back then, you could only play a Final Fantasy game on a Super Nintendo. Once it branched mm-hmm. out, and now look at it, it's on the Xbox. Um, all Final Fantasy games are going to be dropping on Xbox Live pretty soon as well, too. Um, I think that's what hurt the gaming industry as well, too, knowing that nothing's exclusive anymore. And yes, they try it. They try their best. But I remember when the Xbox... Fable was one of my favorite fucking games of all time. Oh, what Fable? Fable, I but Fable <laughs> was incredible for open world. Great, but then you look at the PlayStation side as well too. The PlayStation also had um, different games as well too. Um, uh, Shadow of Colossus uh, comes to mind a lot, and Shadow of Colossus is a revolutionary game for what it was back then as well, too. Uh, it's a little convoluted now if you play it again, but to me, it was a revolutionary game, and it has a lot of accolades from that time as well. Um, now, when you look at it, every fucking game that comes out is on every fucking console. I used to feel differently with Nintendo, but Nintendo finally got to the caught up with everybody else. If you want Skyrim on a fucking Switch, you can get it. Why do you need it? You don't. You don't. It doesn't work well on the Switch whatsoever. To the Switch, and I'm, I have a lot of questions because it doesn't seem like the type of console that would need, like, you know, this game or that game. It, it doesn't, but I think that, I honestly think it's just doing it for sales, honestly. Of course it is. Of course it is. And as, as we move away from having exclusive games, and there are some out there here and there, you know, God of War for PlayStation or uh, Xbox has Gears of War. And, but we look at it now, they're far and few in between. Before, you used to have, like, this was, yeah. my, this was my console. I play Nintendo. Why? Because I love Mario. And for the most part, Nintendo has been pretty strict with that. But I can definitely see that 
the next five years. I can definitely uh, I don't see. Think ever will. No, man, I can definitely I see. I guarantee in the next five years, Disney is going to buy um, Nintendo. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But once that happens, those floodgates are going to open. That's yeah, true. You're going to start seeing Mickey's head on like every Nintendo game. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look, what's the game that came out? Ready Player One. I forgot what studio that was falling under. I want to say, I know that's Steven Spielberg's studio right there. But even that, it had a crossover so many games there too, like uh, Halo, Godzilla, um, um, Doom. Foreshadowing. Uh, exactly, right? So <laughs> you look at a game, it's so fucking like full circle right there. Like, a, like something like that, you can tell what the future is. Like brand exclusive games are not going, are going to be a thing of the past. And I just feel that's what's really hurting the game industry right now. What? What I think honestly hurt the gaming industry too, she had just mentioned it. Um, I know it's a big thing, and I'm probably gonna get more shit for this too, but I think Halo really hurt the gaming industry. It's a fantastic game, very okay. fantastic game. But like once Halo launched, like that really ignited, you know, the online networking community where like literally like people would spend hours and hours and hours just like it's not the same like sitting with your friends playing 007 this one's different you know what i mean like because you started getting accomplishments you started getting rankings you know what i mean and then you have all these uh 12 year olds who um can hide behind their mic and talk all kinds of shit you know what i mean (laughs) Um, but like everyone started taking like because Halo became such a hit. Like, that's what everyone was doing. That's what everyone wanted. Like, it started taking away from, like, story mode and, and making it to, like, a, you know, a, a, basically, like, this game sucks unless you're playing online with your buddies. And so then you started getting uh, all your Call of Duty games. You started getting your Battlefront games. And um, then Call of Duty came out with zombies, which I don't understand how people like that shit so much, but it's so fucking boring. Um <laughs> Because they're trying to get into the horror, you know, the horror gamers too. It's like, oh, we have something for you too. Call of Duty Zombies, you know. Um, but yeah, like, I think that really killed the gaming industry because, again, like, now, like, you just have like a giant uh, crowd of uh, gamers who specifically just play online gaming just to shoot and kill each other. That's basically what. Um, Fortnite is, which I still don't understand the hype of that game. That's what um, the other, what is it, the adult version of uh, Fortnite? Um, the PUBG. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 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 uh, but like that, that really also took a turn for gaming because they ended up again, it, it took away from making a good story, making good characters to, you know, spending all your cash to get this better weapon, to get this better armor, you know, and, and other, other companies and other industries have been trying to chime in on that um, with other, like, you know, games with that kind of style. They just didn't kick off like these did, but I, I think it was very detrimental to, um, and I think that's part of the reason why we have uh, a lot of, um, you know, uh, the currency, you know, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. Um, yeah. You don't get the game. It's because of games like Halo and shit like that. No, I definitely understand that. Um, the online community, honestly, is very much, to me, it has more cons and pros. Um, and I, I remember when when that day and age came out and how revolutionary it was. Games like Rainbow Six were using it and stuff like that. 
And for the most part, I believe it was very innocent. Like, hell, you could play with your best friend that lives in fucking, that just moved to Jersey and you live in New York now. You yeah. guys could be together and still play a game together, which is fine and dandy, but it has evolved now into a demoralizing, uh, it's, it's basically a platform to de- demoralize somebody these days. And rarely do you get a game where you can actually have fun playing online um, for at least about- like Left two Dead, or three hours. That's why I love Left 4 Dead because Left 4 Dead took that concept and just made it good because it's about survival. It's about watching each other. It's about protecting each other as you try to survive. Resident Evil Outbreak was one of the very first games that did that way back in the day. And yep. I hate the fact that it's such a very underrated game. That game was so ahead of its time because it took everything about Resident Evil and turned it into an online game where you have to survive. You have to exit out of you know the specific level before one, before you get eaten by zombies, and two, before the T-virus completely took control of your body. And um, you had to solve puzzles and you had to work with each other. And then um, I watched a whole documentary on this. Um, the reason why you couldn't communicate with the mic and the reason why you couldn't like, you know, do a lot with communication with your online players because they were trying to make it as realistic as possible. The only thing that you can do is I think if you hit like uh, with PlayStation, I think it was like X or Square, they would yell out specifically like, help me or hey, let's open this door and stuff. But unless you were in that same room with that character, you couldn't hear it. And that was the whole point of it because it's like, we're trying to put you into this most realistic uh, uh, experience as possible. And it was fantastic. It was perfect. It was perfect. But it, because of the time that it came out, when the ne- online networking was still being built, it's still being figured out, a lot of people didn't really take off to it. And I'm so sad that that happened because it was such a fantastic game. Um, but it was and what, 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 what happens is when you get the online community finally built, you get a game like Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, which in theory was a decent game, but in, in execution, <laughs> sucked at all cylinders right there. But they it really did, you, you did need to play as a team, as a unit, to actually beat that game as well, too, which people failed at. Like I said, for every you know one game, like you mentioned right there, that was good, there's five other bad games that just yep. really put down your spirit. And it's like, why are we playing online to begin with? Do I really want to play with fucking Susan from fucking Indonesia that could kick my ass with Ryu within five seconds? No, I really (laughs) don't. I'd rather play with you knowing that you can either kick my ass or I can kick your ass and we can have a competitive match and have fun. Why the fuck am I going to have somebody that spams half the time playing a Call of Duty game or or a Fortnite game where I'm getting teabagged every five seconds by a two-year-old? Like... And, and I understand. I understand. Maybe I'm just being a fucking boomer, as the kids say, and I'm not enjoying the game for what it is. But I will be quite frank, not to, no pun intended, that I just feel like yeah. even when you had the least, it was the most. Even when you had areas mm-hmm. where you couldn't really just give the control to your best friend and say, hey, you beat this guy for me because I can't. There was a camaraderie. Mm-hmm something there that really built either friendships or just built your self-esteem as well too i remember beating final fantasy 8 for the first time and i felt like i needed to take a deep breath like i achieved fucking life like 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 i like i paid a bill or something like that like like, like i graduated college or something like that like i had to dust my shoulder off and say what's next i don't know if i feel that anymore i don't i don't know if i've ever felt that again since then 
I will say that there is hope. Um, and I, I it's a little bit different. Uh, how, how can I explain it? So I, I, similar to how I was with music, when it comes to gaming, I was just very closed off. Like it is very rare that I actually try a new game, um, especially a brand new game. I stick to what I know because that's what I know. That's what I love because I know it's good and I know I'm going to enjoy it. However, I decided to go bold, say YOLO, and I tried a couple of games. Thanks to a lot of dish points when I was still working at dish. So I got a couple of games you know, <laughs> before, I, before I left. And um, one of them was the Until Dawn game, which Ooh, yes. gave me a lot of anxiety playing it. I was so excited, you know, um, when I would come home from work, like that would be one of the first games I'd go to because I'm like, oh man, like I wonder where I'm going to go into the story next. So the creators of that game really really put a lot of heart into that game, built a beautiful game, um, very simple game because it's just literally all about choice. Very simple, very, 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 very simple, but it becomes a complicated game once you start getting more into it because of the story. Um, and then you had The Last of Us. Last of Us is probably one of the most beautiful games ever created, especially in this modern time. Um, everything, there's like almost nothing bad that I can say about The Last of Us is cinematically one of the best games i've ever played the story the script the the, the voice acting because while i love resident evil it has never ever had, <laughs> has never had good voice acting or scripting like at all ever but last of us changed that and i was actually just in my car watching the trailer for last of us 2 and my excitement for seeing joel like just like pop up in there i'm like oh my god what are they gonna do next you know it's 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 making me realize that there is a lot of hope for a lot of different games and not just remakes and not just sequels there are games that are starting to come together because i think that while the gaming industry is dying and i think that we will all collectively agree that and i think we're part of the reason for that um there are companies that are really putting their heart and soul into making really good games again because they know like it's been shitty like resident evil 7 the 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 minds behind resident evil 7 really like anyone who's ever played any resident evil game like if you were to start with resident evil 7 you would not know that that's a resident evil game at all no but they they really came together and said we need to make a good game and it, it just like really turned the tide on Resident Evil and they're like, holy shit, this is good again. But again, that can, that game can survive on its own as not a Resident Evil game because it's just a really damn good game. Um, so yeah, they're coming again. And I, I think that we need to be patient and I think we need to really be on the lookout for these type of games. Get away from, you know, cash hungry games like Fortnite. The reason why, I think the reason why that that game is, um, attracting people just because of its color and its very kiddish kind of look you know like it, it's it's supposed to look friendly like that I, I i really don't know but i think we need to open up our minds and expand away from those no and i definitely agree with you i did i definitely think that there's games coming out here that are obviously spectacles like even like the newest game, dragon ball z kakarot game which has hard so far is more of a spectacle because it's a rehash of a game we've played already mm-hmm. but I do see your hope. You know, Last of Us, I can say, is a game of the decade. That game, that opening sequence with Joel and his daughter, if that doesn't rip your heart oh. out, I don't know what will. I'm about to reinstall that game right now and play it again because that game is just beautiful. Um, and I'm not going to 
I will put a small caveat on that right there because you <laughs> spoke eloquently about that game right there. Uh, another game that honestly made me emotional, and I don't care whoever says it right now, Final Fantasy XV made me super emotional playing that game. Uh, even with the f- first five minutes, when you get that scene of, of everybody yeah, put... Oh, him? No, not even that. Just him oh, and his oh, the car. Yes, pushing the car and the Stand By Me rendition comes out uh, from Florence and Machine. Um, Beautiful that game. Scenery, the, the music, the vibes, the commodity of friendship or brotherhood, that made me emotional and invested playing a game like that. And I do see that there's hope out there for games like their games are, are making a resurgence. The games like like Skyrim, if you want to bring that game up for again, like uh, The Witcher, which is a fantastic game as well too. Games that don't... Re- you to play online and get out of your comfort zone if you want to deep dive into escapism which what video games were essentially made for in the first place these are games that you can really get into but as we near to an end right here i know this this podcast is more about the games of the past and if we want to dip back into the nostalgia nostalgia um, pond i want you to for anybody out there who maybe hasn't experienced these older games, you know, we live in the hipster community now where a guy with a fucking man bun, the long beard is going to go to like a pawn shop to buy a PS one. And I, you should, you should do that. Do so. If you were to recommend three games from that era, what would it be? And like three games that can, someone can really get into, but also challenge them. Damn. Asshole, man, I wasn't that ready. Um, I kind of want to step away from what I already know, um, but like some games that I think that it's, it's to like see the trial and error that we went through. Okay. First off, I want to say the first Metal Gear Solid game. Ooh, um, good, good choice. That was uh, as 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 the series went on it you know i kind of fell out of it because i was like yeah but the first Metal gear solid game was like it was beautiful it was fantastic it was fun and just the whole concept of the hiding in the box thing i don't think we'll ever get old <laughs> um <laughs> but it was, you know just a really cool simple that was like pure strategy game um i think that is definitely something to um look into the second one um i'm gonna recommend possibly one of the hardest fucking games ever to play. Uh, I don't think I ever beat it was um, the Sub-Zero game for PlayStation. Oh, hell no. God damn you. You fucking mentioned mythology. Why would you do that? <laughs> That's a horrible <laughs> game, Jay. Yes. Yeah. And, and the reason why, because it was such a fucking horrible It was me so much right now with that horrible game. That's not a game that's hard because it's hard. It's a game because it's glitchy, okay? Because it uses the same mechanics of Mortal Kombat 2 and into like an RPG action game and it can't happen. You cannot physically no. play that game like that. It's it's broken. No. It's, <laughs> that's torture, man. Exactly. Like I said, you have to they no, they have to suffer like we did, okay? Um, that, that was like Mortal Kombat's first attempt to like stray away from like arcade to like adventure style. And it's it's a relatively short game. It really is. That game is not long at all. No time wise. But when you play it, it's gonna take you forever in a day because that game's fucking hard and there's no saving. Once you fuck up, you start all the way back at the beginning. 
Yeah, so. you're right. <laughs> the third one. <sighs> Damn it, man. That one's a little tough. Um, but I'm gonna say Silent Hill 2. Okay. Um, because Silent Hill 2 is possibly gonna be like the best at the entire Silent Hill series. And to really experience um, a, a, a dark horror game that was built to frighten you, to get into your mind, but also like one of the best turning points in the game, like as far as story-wise, when you find out that the hero is actually the villain, was like one of the best written scenes of a video game I've ever, ever, ever seen. And um, Sun Hill 2 used to scare the living hell out of me to where like I, I would not play it because I would get so scared. I mean, obviously due to the graphics and, you know, it, it might not hold up the same to somebody new, you know, like a modern gamer trying to play a game like that. Um, but to try to submerse yourself, you know, Get, kind of kind of get outside of the world that we know now and, and, and place yourself into what we what, what we thoroughly enjoyed back in the day and you'll see like okay I think I think you would see it so those are my three picks okay uh, mine's a little more safer um, I'll go with the two safe picks first um, if you have a Nintendo 64 if you get a, get a chance to get your hands on one I definitely think that Super Mario 64 is a classic. I think mm-hmm. um, it's a very revolutionary game for the Mario series. The amount of levels, the bosses, it's a very challenging game, especially if you want to be a completist and get all uh, 100 stars. It's a very difficult game to play, but it's very rewarding at the same time. The amount of Easter eggs that have, have in that game, like Yoshi on top of the castle, and you need to shoot yourself like, off from a cannon in a secret lair just to say, here I'm going, eh, eh. For no fucking reason, <laughs> like uh, the Metal Mario part, the flying aspect, is very revolutionary game. I haven't actually found a game where a character flies quite as well as Mario did in that game. So, um, <laughs> one of my favorite games. Um, the second one is a guilty pleasure for me, and as y'all know, I'm a wrestling fan, always will be. But I say WWF No Mercy for Nintendo 64. Oh was the best wrestling game of all time. Um, WCW Revenge is a close second, but WCW No Mercy had everything you loved about the Attitude Era when it came to 90s wrestling, with the match qualities, uh, whether you had um, cage matches, ladder matches, hardcore matches. The story mode was uh, fantastic for what it was at that time as well, too. Um, belt creations, stable creations, creative characters. It's just an all-around fantastic game, especially with the Aki technology they had back then. Um, while playing it right now, you're going to but off because of the graphics because everybody looks like a blockhead. It's, it's going to be like that scene from The Wrestler when he's oh, like, hey, you... And I swear to God, the best parts of that game to me is just a little thing. It's like when they did the entrance music, it's like a five-minute entrance music. It's like... And they run really quickly in their end. And then they're jumping onto the... They jump onto the ropes with their, like, expressionless face. And their pointy fingers because they can't bend them. <laughs> but it is a fantastic game and it encompasses everything the 90s had to offer um, and another game a little more challenging but I think it's an easy way to get into the Final Fantasy series I think it, it's easy because of the fact that you're not getting the robust story that you would with 7 and 8 um, it's a little kid friendly but not too kid friendly and challenging Final Fantasy 9 is a great game 
Um, I absolutely love, love Final Fantasy IX. The characters are fun. Vivi is a great character as well, too. And uh, what story happens with Vivi as well, too, I won't spoil anything. But <laughs> I think it's a pretty fun game. Especially for a new person getting into Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry we can't get into Red 13 being a freaking predator trying to take this thing out. No, okay? <laughs> I, I was hoping you would tell him Final Fantasy Tactics because I don't think anyone ever really understood that game. Final Fantasy Tactics is a fucking hard game, though. That's why. It really is. Um, I want to throw one more out there because uh, this was also like one of the only times my brother would ever let me play um was during this game and it was only like literally like a back and forth like uh, uh you'll understand when i explain it in a second but mega man legends um oh, okay. was a very 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 odd concept of a game because it took mega man and put it into a 3d world and first off let me just say like the graphics on that game was just like awful so fucking bad <laughs> like just so awful like it was like it was like if you if, if if you dissected um what's that Pokemon Polygon yeah <laughs> and 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 used it to create a game like that's what that's what Mega Man Legends was um it was a very 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 hard concept of a game but like it was also it was really fun it was a very 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 fun game but yeah. like yeah like my brother would only let me like like run around back and forth on like one certain part of that game and like that was like my fun <laughs> but that was also just a very different very fun game from back in the day that I would recommend. And I Not think pretty. that's gonna that's gonna conclude us for what we're doing today. I think this was a a fun trip down memory lane, especially with all the games and the genres we dip, uh, deep dived into, all the systems that we were playing with as, as well too. Maybe we could uh, revisit this era one more time and get more into the systems back then and what it meant to us. But honestly, um, this is refreshing, man. This is the first uh, podcast yeah. ended up for twenty twenty. You like the format, and I think it was a fresh conversation. And I appreciate you for coming on and dropping your knowledge, me. man. Like you, um, sir, you're like the fucking Qui Gon Jinn of, of video games right now, and and you speak very eloquently when it comes to these video games. I need to have you back again when when we do things like this again. I will be ready. Just let me know. We back, bitches. <laughs> and if people want to find you or find whatever work that you do as well, too, where can people find you? You can find me uh, as well on um, Anchor and anywhere that Anchor posts, like Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, I have rebranded my um, podcast, so it is now called Anxiety and I. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I have a couple of episodes out right now. I'm currently working on one. Um, It's just been taking like a very, very long time, but that's where you can find me um, as I update my life in my (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, artistic ventures. And definitely you can find this podcast, Pop Culture Fanatics, on all avenues that uh, Anchor has to offer, whether it's Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, that nature right there. You can also find the podcast on the Facebook at Pop Culture Fanatics and, of course, on the Instagram at the same name as well, too. If you want to find me personally, you can find me on the Twitter at Uncanny underscore V. And of course, here on Pop Culture Fanatics, we do love you, Jake. We love having you on these segments like this and goofing off and having a good time. Next podcast oh, that I want to do, though, and I think it's um, a little late, but you know what? I think it sank in just about right. But I do want to talk about The Rise of Skywalker. And I kind of want to. We have to. I'm surprised we haven't. And I want to talk about it more so in a free form 
uh, comparatively to all the movies that came out, in this, uh, I guess, for the Star Wars universe, if you want to put it that way. I want to see how you rank it compared to the other movies. And we won't go too much because I want to give the audience something to think about. So that will probably be the next podcast we do right there together. And look for us there. And if you want to ever easily find me um, on any of uh, uh, Val Siskel's shit, like, it's going to be really easy to find me on Facebook because I'm the only one that like angry face reacts to like all of his posts. So if you're ever like wondering like what that is, that's me. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you for coming on tonight. You yourself, sir, you have yourself a great night. Okay. You too. Bye everyone. Later. Later, later. later.